You are listening to content from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. For more information, you can find us on the web at ChristOurHopeAnglican.org. And now, here's today's message. So I'm going to start again with saying something I've already said several times throughout this Revelation series. The judgment of God is good news. If you read our weekly email newsletter, you know that I said that in there too. So I am repeating myself because I think it is something that we need to hear. We need to know again and again that the judgment of God is good news. And mostly as I have spoken through this series, I have applied this to the world at large. Because we need to know that evil does not triumph. That in the end, all of the powers of Satan that oppose God will be cast down And God, in his infinite goodness and his zeal for justice, will reign forever and ever. He will set things right, and there will never again be a moment where we get news of school shootings or scandals within the church of children who were abused. And that these things that we have coming up in our news again and again throughout this own week, and just that happen in the lives, our lives, over and over, that this is not the way that things will be forever, because God is good, and God is the judge, and he reigns. I saw a video this week of a short press conference with Steve Kerr, who is the coach of the Golden State Warriors basketball team. And the Golden State Warriors are in the um, NBA playoffs, and so they do all sorts of press conferences. They do probably more than they really need. Um, But they do one after every one of their practices so he can give an update on how their team is doing and if anybody's injured and what kind of game plan they have for that that game tonight. And on the day that there was that horrid shooting in Texas, he had gotten news of that shooting in between when they had their morning practice and when he sat down for his press conference. And he came in and he was visibly shaken as he sat down at this podium before people who are supposed to ask him about how his team's going to do in a basketball game, and he said, I'm not going to talk about basketball. Things are basically going to be the same as they were before. Nothing's really changed. Our team's going to do fine. But I am, but since we left shoot-around, he said 14 children were killed 400 miles from here, and a teacher. This was early, and the news had not developed, and that number grew. He said... Just in the last 10 days, we've had elderly black people killed in a supermarket in Buffalo. We've had Asian churchgoers killed in Southern California. And now we have children murdered at school. And he was visibly shaken and angry. And he's someone who knows the pain of devastating loss because his father was assassinated and he found out right before he was supposed to go play a basketball game. And so he knows, well, that doesn't really matter in moments like this. And he said, when are we going to do something? I'm tired. I'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to the devastated families that are out there. I'm tired of the moments of silence. Enough. And whether or not you agree with what his vision of what should be done to fix things, I think that every one of God's people can resonate with that cry of enough. 
It is a scriptural cry. It's one that is found throughout the Psalms and in our book of Revelation that both with the same voice in different words, though, they say, How long? How long, O Lord? We have had enough of innocent blood being spilled, enough of the wicked thriving, enough of injustice, enough of your good intent for humanity being marred by evil. We are tired and we are weary of this broken world. How long, O Lord, until you come and set things right? And God's answer that is hard to hear in moments like this that we heard in the book of Revelation is a little bit longer. Not quite enough blood has been spilled. It's a little bit longer before I will come and set things right. But the good news that we have heard, that we have repeated, that we have seen in these moments of worship, in these moments before the throne room of God, is that a little bit longer, but not forever. For I am coming soon. And when I come, I will set things right. And the way that God will set things right is that He will judge the world and the wicked will be cast out and the righteous who have suffered all of these things will have every tear wiped away by the hand of God. And this is why the resurrection of Jesus is such good news that we proclaim over and over again. Because in that moment, we look at a moment in history where death seemed to triumph over this man. And God said, no, enough. No longer. And in him, in his resurrection, we have the beginning of the restoration of all things. It is the promise in the resurrection of Jesus that death will not triumph, it will not win, that evil does not vanquish the forces of God, that He is good and this is what we see and our hope in this. As we suffer and we, we experience all of this, the horrible things that happen in the world, as we look at the death and the resurrection of Jesus and we have hope that because we are united with Him in our baptism and we experience a death like His, we will also experience a resurrection like His and we will be among those who are able to have our tears wiped away. And this is the hope of the gospel. This is the good news that the breaking in of the new creation where God sets all things right has begun and we can see it with something that actually really happened in history. And I'll talk to you over and over again about this grand scope of God's judgment because I think it is at the heart of the gospel. We cannot truly proclaim that Jesus is Lord unless we believe that He has vanquished every power that opposes Him and that He will one day make that evident for all to see. And I emphasize it too because it's something we need to hear and remember when we come face to face with those stories in the news that speak of the tragedy and evil in the world. When we experience in our own lives things that are horribly wrong and broken, when we have the illness of those that speak to our broken bodies and we remember that one day God will set all things right. We need to know this. We have hope. We grieve, but not as the world grieves, because we have hope. 
But there is another side to judgment that we need to hear about too. An aspect to judgment with which we are often uncomfortable. Our reading from Revelation today, Revelation chapter 22, in verse 12, it speaks with the words of Jesus and it says, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. Jesus is speaking of his return, which is a little longer, but it's coming. And he tells us that when he comes, he will judge the works of every man and woman. And for those of us who have grown up in the church where the message of salvation by grace alone has been preached, and rightfully so, sometimes it is hard for us to hear about the judgment of God, of our deeds, of what we have done. But this is not like some addendum at the very end of the Bible that changes the picture that is given throughout the rest of Scripture. It is consistent with all of Scripture that each of us will stand before the judge and give an account for our works. It is the hope of the psalmist, even in the psalm that we read today. The hope is that God will one day judge the wicked, that they will be cast down, and that the righteous will be vindicated. It is the wisdom of Solomon when he declares at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, Fear God and keep His commandments, for that is the whole duty of everyone. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. It's the promise of God through the prophet Jeremiah when he says, I, the Lord, test the mind and search the heart to give to all according to their ways, according to the fruit of their doings. And it doesn't change when we move into the New Testament. Jesus himself speaks of casting every tree that does not bear fruit into the fire. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us must receive recompense for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. Peter, who walked with Jesus and heard his teaching, wrote that God judges all people impartially according to their deeds. The witness of Scripture from beginning to end is that we will face a day where we stand before God and will be judged for what we have done. I could provide more verses of Scripture to support it, but I think you get the idea. The point that I want to make is that this is the consistent testimony of Scripture, and we have to come to deal with this as people who put our faith and trust in Christ. It's easy to proclaim that judgment is good news when I look at the tragedies of the world and I say I don't want those to happen anymore. It is harder to understand how judgment is good news when it means that I will stand before the throne of God and give an account for what I have done. We can't simply explain these passages away when so much scripture points to it. Sometimes this happened when I was a kid. There were some people who told me that these moments where it talked 
about our works being judged. That if I had my faith in Jesus, that when I stood before God to have my works judged, that he wouldn't see anything that I'd done at all. He would just see Jesus and his righteousness, and my own deeds would just be as if they never happened and never existed. But this is not the message of Scripture. In our Revelation passage that we just saw, this is Jesus himself. He is the one who is the judge, standing and telling all the members of the church, I am going to reward each person according to what they have done. And it's not some idea that we're all going to get the same reward because it's all according to what he has done. He's rewarding each person according to what they have done. So is this still good news? Did the reformers get it wrong who, who taught in the Anglican church from the very beginning? If you look at the 39 articles, it says our justification is by faith alone, not by works, that we can earn no merit. Do they misunderstand Scripture and it's faith and works that save us? That somehow we have to do things to get us merit, to earn our, our favor with God? And we need to know the answer to this and we need to be certain of it because it makes all the difference in the way that we live and the way that we think of that day of judgment, whether we can really approach it as a day where there is good news. Because if I have to live my life wondering if every day my deeds are being weighed on a scale, the good against the bad, deciding whether or not I have done enough good to outweigh the evil that is still in my heart, then that day of judgment cannot be good news. Then what Christianity teaches is really no different than what many of the other major world religions teach. And there's nothing but fear when I have to approach that throne. But while the Bible does say that we'll be judged according to our works, that is not what it means. It's not this scale that's just a balance that's hanging of if you've done enough good to outweigh the bad. There are two things in our passages from Revelation that actually give us hope we can look at this and say that there is good news. The first comes right before that reading in verse 11, where as the angel is coming to John and he's about to have this moment where Jesus steps in and says he's going to judge, the angel proclaims and says, let the evildoer still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right. And the holy still be holy. I think that the reason that this is in there is that what it is pointing out is that for everyone who is coming to the judgment of God, what is inside you, what is in your heart, will come out in your deeds that are judged. What is in your heart will be evident. You can't hide it. You can't fake it. So go ahead and be who you are. Let the righteous be righteous. Let the filthy be filthy. Because when you stand before the judgment seat of God, when Christ is judging, all of it will be clear anyway. It's another way of saying what Jesus said throughout the Gospels. That the tree will bear fruit according to what kind of tree it is. 
and of the good news. I know that we hear this and sometimes we think, well, what kind of tree am I? What kind of deeds do I have? Is it, is it enough? But the good news here is that our salvation is not simply to decide whether or not we escape and skate through judgment. It's not something that is simply for that last day. The promise that is consistent throughout Scripture, just as consistent as the promise that we'll be judged by our works, is that one day there will be a covenant that God makes with His people where He will give them a new heart. This began in the, in the Old Testament. The same books that prophesy about the judgment of God say there will be a day. when I will give a new covenant, where I will write my words upon your heart. The promise throughout the New Testament is that when Jesus ascended into heaven, that he would send us a helper. That he would give his Holy Spirit to us. And that it would begin the change in us that we look forward to in the resurrection of Jesus, that begun in us, if we have the Holy Spirit, is the movement from trees that can do nothing but bear poor fruit to trees that are in fact filled with life. In fact, if you look at Paul, where he talks about most clearly the idea of salvation by grace, one of the clearest passages of that comes in Ephesians. 2, uh, verses 8, beginning in verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So salvation comes not because of works, it's that free gift. And it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, the good news is not just that he saves you, but that he actually produces the good works in you too. That he's created you for those. And that at, the, at that moment of salvation is the beginning of entering into the new creation where the good works will come forth. So if you know Jesus, if you've been given his Holy Spirit, you don't have to wonder if your works will be enough at the day of judgment. Because God himself will be working to renew your heart right now. right now, to produce good works in you. That's why James can say that faith without works is dead. Because faith always produces works. And so if we have the the faith, God will produce the good works in us. We are part of the new creation, the breaking in of that new reality. The work's not done yet, and it's hard, because there are moments where we see, and all we can see are our own failings. But the hope is that when we are judged by Christ, what we will be judged by are the works that he has given to us. We see that second element of hope here in verse 14. It says, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life 
and that they may enter the city by the gates. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Now again, if we think of this as something primarily that we are doing, uh, throughout the book of Revelation, robes, white robes, are used as a sign of purity. Whenever we see the saints, they're in their white robes. Whenever we see the angels, they're wearing white robes. It's a sign of purity and holiness in God's presence. And if we think of this as something that we have to do ourselves, if this is another work that we are doing, then it is, again, something that makes me actually think of Lady Macbeth, where she has conspired in something to to be part of killing the king, and she's sleepwalking at the beginning of the play, and she keeps on washing her hands because she saw blood on them on that night. And no matter how much she scrubs in her own mind, no matter how clean her hands look to others, she can still see that blood, and she cries out, out damn spot, as she wrings her hands again and again, and that guilt is never removed from her. But the image here is not simply that we are going to somehow wash our robes and make ourselves clean, because the language is exactly the same as is used in Revelation chapter 7, verse 14, where it says that they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. It is Jesus who makes us pure. It is Jesus who in whom we find ourselves cleaned. And this language here in verse, in chapter 22, blessed are those who wash their robes, not those who washed in the past tense, not those who will wash, not those who washed at one point and then it's done. It's this continuous action, those who wash their robes. In other words, what we do is we recognize that we are as yet unclean, but we come again and again to the blood of the Lamb. We come again and again to Jesus. And our great hope in here that is articulated beautifully in the book of Hebrews and in other places throughout Scripture is that the one who is our judge is also our Savior. And that's why we can have such great confidence when we stand before Him as the judge is because He has begun that process of cleaning us. And so we go to Him and when we find ourselves falling short and we find ourselves in sin and we find that evil is clinging to us, we go to Jesus and we repent and we confess and we wash our robes in the blood of the Lamb. And He is faithful to make us clean. And in His blood... We are clean by His blood. We can do the good works that He has given us to do. We end most every service by saying that we're going to go out and do the things that God has given us to do. Do the works that God has given us to do. And this is the hope that we have as Christians. This is the hope we have for our judgment. Is that it's not just for some future day, but that right now, the renewal of all things has begun in our hearts, and now I can wash myself in the blood of the Lamb. And I can go out to do the works that he has given me to do. It doesn't mean you'll be perfect. It doesn't mean that the only things you'll see in yourself are good works. We still long for the day when we have the judgment of God. When all things are set right, including what is in me. but it means that I can have confidence on that day of judgment because I have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And I can actually look forward to that day of judgment as good news, not just for the world, but for me. And it's good news not just for the world, but for you.
because all of us know that we are not perfectly pure right now. That work of new creation has begun in us, but it has not been completed. And the hope of judgment for each person as we stand before God is not just that the wickedness that's in the world will be destroyed. It's the wickedness that is in us, too. That that tearing that we feel where if you have a renewed heart, you desire to follow after God. You desire in your deepest self to love Him with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. And yet still in the flesh, you fall short. That too will not last forever. There will be a day where those deepest desires of your heart will be fulfilled. Where the love that you have for God will be complete. Where you stand before your Savior and your judge. And He sees the works that He has already wrought in you. And He says, well done. Paul says that some of us will pass through that moment just barely. Most of what we have done will be burned up. Others will pass through because they've already been refined. And there'll be great rejoicing at what they have done for the sake of the kingdom. But if God has begun that good work in you, you can be certain that you will pass through and that it is good news that all of the things that cling to you still will be cast away and burned up and be no more. So the judgment of God is good news. So let us live as people who have this great hope. Let us remember that we will stand before our judge and our Savior one day. And that he has begun putting that new heart in us. So let us go out and do the works that he has given us to do. Knowing that they will be cause for rejoicing and celebration on that day. And then we can look forward to that day of judgment. That day of our own judgment. When we understand what will happen in that moment, we can speak with John and with all of the church at the end of this book of Revelation, where when Jesus says, surely I am coming soon, we don't just quail in terror. We say, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with us all. Amen. This sermon is an audio ministry from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you are in the area and would like to learn more about how you can worship with us in person or online, please visit us on the web at www.christourhopeanglican.org.